0: Alright, everyone, welcome back to Put Up Your Dukes. It's the championship round! Ah! We finally made it. We read so many books and we've spent so many hours talking about Dukes that the world Duke basically has no meaning anymore. <laughs> but true. here we are. You're still with us for our journey. I'm Holly. I'm Erin. And I'm Ingrid. And together we are the Smut Report podcast. na 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 smut report. So as I said, this is our last Put Up Your Dukes finale championship. We are down to our final two. Villiers from Eloisa James's Desperate Duchesses series, who gets his happily ever after in A Duke of Her Own. What is his full name? Does anyone remember?
1: No. No. Not at all.
0: Like, I have no idea.
1: His name is irrelevant. He's just Villiers.
0: Oh, Leopold Daughtry. I have the book right Leopold. next to me. Leopold Daughtry. Oh, <laughs> but whatever. Um, Villiers versus Wolfwick Bedwin, the Duke of Bucastle from Mary Ballow's Slightly series, who gets his happily ever after in Slightly Dangerous. And... Here we go. So this is maybe an impossible comparison because they're so different. Both different. Both very dookie. Both if you are a noob who is like, I want a dookie dookie duke. Either of these would be great options. If you like both standalone. But maybe we can talk about what we learned about dukes by by doing that. (laughs) And maybe that will help us make a decision.
1: I "I don't know. I feel like Holly, what you said about our brains have created this space so that the word duke no longer has meaning is about right. Like we've read all these different Dukes, we've debated who's dukier based on criteria. And now it's like, does does that make sense? Was that the right choice? <laughs> did we actually make good arguments about what we chose? Did we outduke know. ourselves? I maybe we did. So I mean our whole conversation from our initial parameters discussion centered on their wealth isolation and power and we did a pretty good job I feel of interpreting these in different ways mm-hmm. of course I feel like what did we end up with the top 2 seeds yeah <laughs> as our finalists and we like totally knocked Holly's expectation out of the park I don't know if you recall, but her expectation was that neither of these would do very well because they wrap up a series. And it makes sense to expect that the end of a series might not hold well as a standalone book. But these really did.
0: I am woman enough to admit when I'm wrong.
1: (laughs) I feel also that some of our conversation around, I mean, I think. We've been having people give us feedback on what they think of as the best Duke as we've been going along on social media. And it's interesting sometimes when folks come up with a different perspective than what we ended up with. And of course, we've been hyper-focused on the Duke, not the story. Right. And how the Duke stands on as an archetype, basically, as opposed to whether or not it's our favorite Romance story in the bracket. Right. I mean, I don't know. Well, okay. So Holly's favorite in the bracket was Flowers from the Storm, right? Yes. So, and that one did all right. But, Ingrid, I mean, did you have a favorite book that's not one of these two? You mean like, do you remember any of the books? No. No.
2: I (laughs) I just forgot to go into this. I mean, I remember all the books and I. I feel like I've, I actually feel pretty solid about the ones that made it to the end. I feel like it made sense to me, except Claremont. I feel like he was kind of an interloper, but for complicated reasons that make sense to me as well. So, like, yeah, I don't know. It This is what happened. There were so many good Dukes, and they were so similar in so many overlapping ways that I just... It's almost like I, I am no longer invested in, like... They're just all, they're just dookie. <laughs> I don't know how to like, I, I don't even know how to describe my feelings about this bracket because most of the time I'm really like aggressively competitive about the title that I think should win. And this time I'm like, I don't know, both of the ones at the end here, yet again, I am on the fence and I have never in any of our brackets been this much on the fence with so many books ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there were some duds for me where I was like, oh, well, there are some that made me kind of ragey as well, which... I believe I was clear about when we were discussing them in the first place and they did not move forward. Yeah. Not necessarily exclusively because of me, but yeah. I mean, I had pegged Tessa Dare's The Duchess Deal to go all the way. It was a really funny book. I really enjoyed reading it as a romance. It was delightful. And same with (laughs) Montgomery and Duke of Sin. Just sometimes these authors are so spot on with the way that they're presenting these characters and writing these like really entertaining stories is just a real delight to get to analyze the text and just like be immersed in these worlds so I mean I like both of these these finalists as well but and I did all the editing of the podcasts so I got to listen to our arguments over again <laughs> and that definitely has made me think about stuff as we've farther along. So maybe that's a me issue, but yeah, I don't know. These are very different dukes, V.A. and Butte I mean, they're different. The archetype is used in different ways, because Butte is so focused on his duty. His isolation is, in many ways, self-imposed, because he has to be the perfect duke all the time, and he is learning to come out of his shell. V.A., I don't know, Ingrid, maybe you have better character analysis because you usually do, but V.A. is trying to achieve a goal and he he's not necessarily isolated the same way as Bucastle. he's isolated because he's elite not because he holds himself back and he can't he is his duty issue is I feel like I have to make the responsible choice which is contrary to the choice my heart wants without realizing that in fact the choice his heart wants is the responsible choice so different storylines different uses of the archetype
0: Yes. I mean, but the central conflict for both is kind of what my heart wants versus what my head thinks I should do. That All is right? a very good point. And another thing that I we, we did talk about in our preliminary episode, but then kind of didn't come back a lot, was that we expected the Dukes, who were kind of dicks, to yeah. do better.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think we mostly saw that, right? Yeah. And that... Even a lot of Dukes that were knocked out pretty early on were kind of not great humans, <laughs> at least at least in the beginning,
1: right? Yeah, I would say we did, well, rightly or wrongly, who knows, maybe that's a conversation for another podcast. We seem to distinguish to a degree the and rogue kind of archetype from the Duke archetype. So if the Duke, like in Colton is that Joanna Shoup Duke.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: You know, he was a duke, but he fit the mold of the raker rogue archetype a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I think we ended up looking for not just the wealth, power, and isolation, but also some components of adherence to duty or a sense of responsibility that is mm-hmm. something that a titled gentleman in addition to being, you know, simply the rakish, roguish gentleman. That's true. Gentleman.
0: Right. Although you know if we go back to to Mr. Darcy as our beginning Duke archetype he's just like a dude but who also has a very strong sense of responsibility mm-hmm. but it, so it's interesting to me that then romance novels now in this point in the 21st century or say even in the last 20 years have moved this strong sense of duty onto titled characters rather than gentleman farmers who presumably also, historically, felt a strong duty to their land and the people they supported and doing the right thing for their
2: families. Well, I think that's, that actually makes sense to me, though, because I think, especially in romance, to have a character who seemingly has it all, mm-hmm. right, on the, on the surface and then secretly feels this, has this weakness, their sense of obli- obligation and duty, Right. And that then subsequently they're willing to thwart this soft spot, or they're willing to like go against something and make themselves uncomfortable in order to be with that person. It's the maybe the only like well, in some cases, not in all cases, obviously, but it's that it's a little niche of vulnerability for the duke. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It sets it up really, really nicely. And what do we we say all the time? Romance readers like to see the exception to the rule, so it Mm -hmm. sets it up so neatly that. For you know, vicariously, we get to see this duke, this powerful duke who seemingly has it all, make this woman the exception to his rule. So it makes sense to me.
1: Do love mussing that hair, he needs his hair must. Wolfric Bedwin, yeah. in particular, needs
2: some ruffled hands. feathers. Yeah,
1: yes, that's why Holly said it's the to duke of all. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: although you know, Villiers <laughs> needs his hair must too, it's a different kind of thing, but like mm-hmm. quite literally someone needs to go in and stage a fashion intervention for him because that's his
2: costume. I mean, can you imagine the scornful look he would give someone, though? It would be a very different response. I feel that's like true. Newcastle would have, like, be- a beleaguered sigh, and VA would be like, do you know what you've just done? Like, yeah, it would be very different, <laughs> which is pretty funny to me.
1: So what... Yeah. Is- do we-, we touch on this a little bit? What are-, are there things that you guys observed as we progressed in the conversation that you think is relevant to the archetype that we didn't initially address. I guess I brought up duty.
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think is interesting is that in our early conversations we talked a lot about their looks and that kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. In later conversation mm-hmm. and it could be because looks were very important In the characterization, like for For Villiers, right, for Montgomery, yeah, for for Montgomery, but like I don't even know what Bucastle looks like. I think he just looks like kind of a handsome guy. Oh, you're right. They do. They talk about his, (laughs) His you know, the
1: Bedwin nose that they all
0: have, right? So I think he's kind
1: of a and maybe like like piercing gray eyes, but that filled that filled out his icy character persona. Right, it wasn't the same as Villiers, like. Brutish. Decorative. Yeah. yeah. Having look, his. Uh, decorative trappings, but sort of rugged and maybe not even handsome, darker looks. physique. Er, yeah.
0: Right. I mean, but look. so there was kind of a contrast, especially in a duke of her own, between the like the dark, brooding, brutish kind of look versus the golden sunshine look. Right. Because yeah. they're, because she, Eleanor, is torn between the two dukes. But. The pretty
1: boy and the not and VA. Yeah, I mean, I think in some of the books that, that ended up not moving forward, mm-hmm. appearance was more of a thing. Like in A Kingdom of Dreams, the wolf also has similar, you know, hyper masculine, rugged, mm-hmm. dark haired look.
0: Probably probably wolf you know, we'll, you know silver eyes. Yeah,
1: we had Edin uh well Edinburgh and Alyssa Cole's a duke by default. You know, we talked about how he's a hot silver fox. Yeah. And him being a silver fox was kind of relevant. But, like, yeah, for Flowers from the Shore, I'm Gervaux. He's like his, handsome. His, but, yeah. but, like, his appearance was not relevant to the central issues that he was dealing with. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And, like, his clothing kind of is, but it's not, it's part of his character and that it's a signifier of who he is in the world, not. The way Villiers uses his clothing is kind of an outward expression for himself, Mm -hmm. Or Montgomery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, the other thing is, like, Villiers is Georgian. Yeah. Yeah, Bucastle, we're into, well, I guess technically the late Georgian, or Regency period. Well, it's Regency, because it happens right after Waterloo. It happens right after the war, yeah. So it's definitely a Regency book, and there were different men's fashions for those periods, Mm -hmm. which... You know, I feel like, I always think it's funny when in Regency books, the heroes are presented as like the modern masculine I- ideal body shape. <laughs> what do you opposed mean? As to, because apparently if you, oh, read, you, mean, you mean you mean like,
0: like, you mean they had like six packs and V cuts? Like, is that what you mean? Yeah, right. That,
1: but even beyond that, if you read what Darcy's appearance is like, or do additional research even into what a handsome man looked like mm-hmm. in the early 19th century. It's like has sort of like sloped rounded shoulders and mm-hmm. it's like very slim and trim, not like a muscular man with like great traps. Yeah. <laughs> not a triangle. Yeah. We're not yeah, looking no. for a triangle here. Uh, you know, like, I mean, you. how many books have you read? <sighs> this is ridiculous, but how many books have you read where the author makes a comment about how the hero definitely did not have to stuff his stockings, his calves were 100% his own -hmm. (laughs) more
0: than one it's like and and also where there's like a a side character who we know we're supposed to not like and make fun of because he wears stays, (laughs) (laughs) because he wears stays. yeah
1: so we're projecting our like modern sensibilities on our heroes in historical romance a lot. And yet we're still seeing the differences between Villiers and Bucastle in terms of like what's attractive in their apparel. Now I will give that little asterisk because Villiers' son like mocks him for his appearance and for mm-hmm. a Georgian man, he is dressed very fashionably and his right. I mean, he wears, does he wear the red heels? Like, men wearing red heels was a thing. Mm -hmm. And so, and it was a trendy thing. It was a sign of social status. So, you know, would people actually have mocked that? Like, probably not. Probably be like somebody now being like, Like you weirdo with your Air Jordans. Like, I don't (laughs) don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Thank you all for that rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, no. So that is... I don't know something to consider with respect to or maybe not something to consider something that is interesting about discussing these historical romance heroes you know Mm -hmm. from a modern lens.
0: I mean what what you said is that you know historical romance heroes are still written for modern to be attractive for modern readers Mm -hmm. and it might be that we found Villiers and Bewcastle to be the most attractive for us because Mm -hmm. both of these books were written in the first 10 years of when we were reading romance novels. Mm -hmm. That is a
2: really good point. Although I do feel like we talked about how Courtney Milan is kind of on the cutting edge of Mm -hmm. trends, and I feel like we all did like Claremont.
1: Claremont was so great as a duke. Yes. And I noted in our initial... Uh, let's talk archetypes post about what I don't always like or why I don't pick up newer releases of historical romance is because I don't know what I'm going to get and I know Holly you've read your you know you've become our historical romance expert Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the blog and you have read several dukes who are grappling with their position and privilege in society. I think what mm-hmm. was the Eve Pendle book where they Yes. They go be yes. farmers or something. You know, like they go make their yes. the dukedom into a commune or something.
0: Uh not exactly, but he he does go be a farmer at the end. Yeah. Like does it like he cosplays as a farmer, but then actually it's just like I'm not gonna have my title anymore and I'm gonna really be a farmer.
1: Yeah. So and as we see in the even in the Courtly Milan, like that is satisfying a modern desire to have some accountability for these heroes. I think what in the context of this showdown, the Courtney Milan was able to do that I haven't seen the other modern sensibility Dukes we didn't see. And also in other books that I've read didn't see and therefore didn't find satisfying was he's not necessarily behaving with the perspective of the way he exists in the world right Claremont was so good at he wanted to be a source of change in the world but he decided to use his position in society instead of trying to go around it or say that it was worthless Mm -hmm. he wanted to use his title to create the change and also he was so blind to so many of his privileges Right, that he was still using his money and using mm-hmm. his title and power without even realizing that that was a component of himself. And I thought that resonated a lot more with the way somebody with a lot of privilege would behave. Right. Because that's what we currently see people with a lot of privilege doing Right, yeah. in various situations. I mean, situations.
0: In, in that Eve Pendle book, he like sometimes as he's going on his journey towards becoming a farmer he he like sometimes just solves problems because he can because he mm-hmm. has still has money and power and the heroine tells him you have to stop duking things
1: yeah so that's interesting
0: right and so it's it's a similar dynamic in a more recent book that i think is is pretty interesting but is not written with the same kind of depth as the duchess
1: war is but i also think and i would love to hear you guys's thoughts on this that if I want to pick up a book to have thinky thoughts, that's one goal. But if I want to pick up a Duke book and enjoy that archetype, that's a different question. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I recently requested an arc from NetGalley on purpose because it's a historical romance. It's going to deal with a lot of social issues that I was like, oh, this is going to be meaty and interesting. And we'll see if that's how it turns out. We'll see if What's I actually book? end up reviewing it. It's a called book. A Radical Affair.
0: Oh, okay. And so the title,
1: yeah, well, that's why one of the reasons I was like, tell me more. So the, the heroine is married and she's run away from her abusive spouse and she, and the hero, like she's married. They, they're carrying on an affair Mm -hmm. after she's run away from her husband. And of course, at this point, I assume it's still at the period divorce is only available by an act of parliament. You know, Mm -hmm. there are very significant limitations on how to end a marriage and, Uh, I believe she also gets pregnant. And so, you know, having this illegitimate child question, like, I think there's going to be a lot of meaty stuff. And part of it is also that he's a radical. Right. And they're coming to grips with like how his radicalism affects their relationship and themselves. And and it just sounded really interesting. But like, I picked that on purpose, because I want to see how the author treats that conversation, Mm -hmm. which is not the same as, oh, a duke who needs his hair must... Tell me that's, more. That's really what I want to sit down with right now and just, like, you know, yeah. have that satisfying mm-hmm. book experience.
2: Well, and I think that maybe that's the conclusion, because I know we had that one really lively debate over the Duke archetype as a tool versus kind of as, like, almost a, almost a trope, you know? And that, you know, there's a lot of flexibility here. And I think that it's another example of of that there's something kind of for everybody, <laughs> even within these, you know, niche deep dives that we tend to do. And what I learned is that I I like them both. I mean, I think that I enjoyed, God, oh, dang it, which one was it? The Monster of Mayfair.
0: Oh, the Tessadere. Oh. <laughs> the
1: Tessa
2: That one was so Oh, funny. it was so amazing. It's just that it wasn't necessarily like, once we dialed in and we kind of started really discussing it, what, ca- what I kept coming back to is someone's asking me for like the dukiest Duke book that I can think of. And it's, you know, like this one I would recommend for many, many other reasons, but mm-hmm. there were dookier books. So yeah, I just, I was really interested in how complicated pairing this down actually became when we got closer to the end. <laughs> <laughs> and that it yeah. wasn't necessarily about which one we liked the best, but about how effective it was At expressing the theme we were discussing,
0: and I think your point about archetype as a tool versus archetype as a trope is really important if we're talking about these Duke books, right? Because there were some books that were like that were trying to do something else and using the Duke archetype as one of the characters, versus ones that are like I'm setting out to write write a Duke trope, Mm -hmm. and like tropes are tools too, but it's like. You know, if we're tagging a book, it's like, what's the main trope here? If like, is the main trope Duke, or is the main trope Beauty and the Beast with a duke with a with a duke archetype mm-hmm. as the Beast?
1: So, what do you think about this Darcy element? Because we talked about the Darcy component in *Bewcastle*, and actually, in one of our prior books that didn't didn't move forward, we also brought up the question of Darcy and how Darcy-esque our character was. I think it was. Maybe it was Leighton?
0: Maybe. or Leighton's kind of snobby. Darcy's kind of snobby. I could see it. Doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. It was one of the early early rounds. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the first time that we ended up with... I mean, maybe it was the Project Duchess by Sabrina Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that that is a certain type of hero that is very recognizable. Mm-hmm. And has a lot of characteristics that we would look for with respect to generic verisimilitude. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. And I think that's, you know, when I'm thinking of generic verisimilitude too, it's like Darcy to those, maybe we can find to link into the show notes, some of those discussions about how Georgette Hare is the foundation of generic verisimilitude for a lot of historical romance. And the reason uh-huh. that a lot of readers expect historical romance to appear a certain way, regardless of whether or not that is how
0: history was. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because in her duke books i mean i've mentioned the duke of avon a couple of times i mean he is very much like cold icy elite powerful has lots of darcy-esque fa- features but also this often status of a georgian mm-hmm. duke um or i mean sylvester's another she wrote a few dukes but sylvester's another one that's popular and that's more of a fun romp but then she's got an arabella which asterisk i'm pretty sure arabella is one of the books that has some very overt anti-Semitism in it. But the hero of Arabella is a an incredibly wealthy landed gentleman. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of these elements as well, but he's just a landed gentleman with a lot of money. So he's he has his position and standing in society because of his wealth and the power right. that that grants him because he's an aristocrat. So teasing out where these ideas are coming from is interesting, has been interesting. I don't know that we've necessarily... Discussed them
0: yeah i don't think we were systematic enough in our reading yeah to give a full historical overview on the development of the in the oh, in cool. genre romance
1: there that's so true
2: how did we how did that fall by the wayside with you two nerds i, I, I really
1: don't know <laughs> guys so when i was looking at my debrett's the other day <laughs> oh my gosh
2: that's a sentence <laughs> to start with as we all do as we all do I glance through the DeBretz, <laughs>
1: i was looking at i was flipping through and i was like look at how few dukes there are there's like what maybe like 15 dukes 14 dukes and then fewer than that of marquises and there were like six pages of earls i was like and yet uh, we're just swimming in dukes in romance novels right you know maybe
0: maybe it's because duke is much more satisfying to say in your mouth
1: Earl
0: is. That's true. (laughs) Yes. It's like Duke sounds like strong and masculine and big and sexy and Earl sounds like a guy who you're going to put some arsenic in his
1: black eyed peas. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of that too. (laughs) Anyways, we're circling around and around like what we want to decide about these two finalists dukes now might be a good time to touch on the dukes that we didn't include mm. or dukes that didn't make the bracket but are worth talking good about contenders
2: mm-hmm. yeah all right let's do this well boy oh boy do i have one and that's exciting for me because i never remember anything all right but I also just reviewed it, so it's on the website. It's new. Not That Duke by Eloisa James, so It just came out. I love this book. So just to give it a quick little overview, we have a freckled, glasses-wearing, short, round woman, and she's been overlooked her whole life. It's definitely like a love triangle-type book because Sylvester, who is the Duke, is totally mooning over this, like, you know... Basically, the woman that he's mooning over would have been the main character in a lot of historical books. Like, yeah. Polished, poised, perfect-looking, etc.
0: But secretly a hoyden. I hope she's secretly a hoyden because so, otherwise, she, it, she can't be a true romance heroine in the '90s. Does she ride?
2: Does she ride her horse in inappropriate ways? Like that's so, what we need to know. That's, no, that is the important question here. I she is. It is highly suggested, but weirdly not super judged that she probably gets knocked up. Well, not married, but it's whatever. Because I think that she gets a book, too. I don't know Mm -hmm. if... I haven't read. I don't know the series. I don't know if it's already been published or if it's coming next, but it's kind of happening simultaneously. So she's not the bad guy. She's like a very nice person. She's just wrong for Sylvester, who really does need to be with this absolutely banana pants, tiny red-headed, freckled, glasses-wearing, really smart lady. And so anyway, he is... Totally hung up on what he thinks he needs to be doing. His parents were really in love with each other and kind of went against society to be together. And so he wasn't really interested in that because he grew up and he knew he had to be the person who kind of was suave and worked society so that his family would be accepted because his parents clearly didn't care. So anyway, that's like the backstory. And then she's just like, basically, you want to be her her or be her best friend. She's really cool. And yeah. Oh, and I don't know how Eloisa James does it. So... It's just really good. She, um, I just really like this book.
0: Yeah. And I will say Eloisa James has written many, many Duke books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many of which are awesome. Like if you want an, another old Eloisa James, The Taming of the Duke is <laughs> like, so good. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. She has her, her Regency Fairy Tales series. And I think like half of those guys are Dukes. Right. right.
1: Yep. Well
2: and you know you know what I thought was really interesting about this book is that I've I immediately was re- remembered that I've read Eloisa James, right? And she's mm-hmm. she's been in she's been a top name for some time. I mean, she's not mm-hmm. a new newer author, but this book was it hit all the marks for a a classic duke book, but I also personally felt like it started to kind of hit some of the points for what modern readers are looking for in romance. So this book doesn't really have themes that I think would lend itself to being considered like a woke book, you know, mm-hmm. however, the way that they interact together, there's, it's, I don't know how to put it, except to say that Sylvester and Stella interact in a way that feels very much like they're equals without mm-hmm. necessarily sacrificing that he is very clearly a Duke and I need to sit with it and kind of, because I, you know, like we've made so many discoveries and, talked about so many different facets during this that I haven't really processed this book as much but I just loved it there spoiler there is a whole scene involving dildos so it's fantastic and I loved it and I think if we had read it it would have probably been a contender Mm -hmm. do I think it would have taken the taken the the cake I don't know but it definitely would have it wouldn't have been one of the first to be kicked off let's just say that
0: I mean Maybe someday we'll just read all of Eloisa James's Dukes and figure out which one if see if any of them are better than Believe. <laughs> next bracket! <laughs> the next <laughs> bracket. Next bracket. The and Eloisa next James we would Duke. We will never off. do again.
1: <laughs> yeah. We will definitely I mean, never do a bracket again, except for let's plan this one.
0: Except for the Eloisa James Dukov, and then the Tessa Dare Dukeoff and then the Sarah McLean Dukov.
1: Yeah. Right. You know, Sarah McLean, I, I don't think, is written well, should we do an eighth. Like yeah, it. I don't,
0: I don't know. I mean, so there are a couple of authors on here, right? Who've written several Duke books, like the Julia Quinn Duke off. Like, oh, yeah. not, you know, there are several authors where we picked one of their Dukes, but who've mm-hmm. written many Dukes, and maybe even a Duke who's better than the one we read.
2: Well, so and know. to bring that up, the second mm-hmm. thing that I wanted to point out was the Girl Meets Duke series, which coincidentally, the Duchess deal, which we read for the bracket, is mm-hmm. in. That series, however, I think the governess game, which comes after it, would have probably gone further in the bracket than the Duchess deal. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Yeah. just because if what we're looking at is the Duke as a trope, the Duke as an archetype, I think that the governess game, I think it had a little bit more, like, overlap between the two, personally. Mm -hmm. So, but that series is delightful and also has plenty of overbearing, clueless Powerful dukes in it that are hilarious and funny. Now, again, would that series win over VA or or Bedwin? I don't know, but they're fun and should yeah. be read and enjoyed by all.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, and I mentioned Eloise James Tessadere. Julia Quinn has also written many dukes, and The Duke and I is, you know, the Bridgerton. Duke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically, we chose not to read it because I really wanted to talk about Mr. Cavendish.
1: But, mm-hmm. which I think was good. That's also more, Mr. Cavendish was a more recent, not super as recent. As several people pointed out when Bridgerton came out, it's mm-hmm. based on a book that's 20 years old. Right. And I always liked her first book, Splendid, which is also a Duke. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm thinking, now the wheels are turning in my head and I'm like, oh, more Duke records. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. that t- but no and yeah that's even older right With right I mean with, and so, so it the, has different different plays vibe. differently
2: yeah
0: right and so you know the duke and I uh, you know I feel like Simon is probably pretty dukey I don't I actually don't remember this book very well but
1: Simon is so angsty like all the things that you wrote about dukes and their fathers and mothers and they're angst,
0: and they're like they're big feelings.
1: Project, decide, Like it's all the <laughs> points. He's it's like, like, I can't marry you because I am going to have revenge on my father by never falling in love or having children. Or oh, being
2: happy I remember way. that one. Yes, <laughs> let me be super powerful and also the most traumatized and irrational human being. And that's ever best lived. friend
1: sibling, and Andy has a stammer. It's like da 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 Daphne. I will never da 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 Daphne. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're very Uh, memorable. Memorable components. Well, it is,
2: and you know, Bridgerton's great, but definitely like the book is its own thing.
1: I don't think it's the best one in this. Well, I always liked it because as you go farther in a series, you're like, okay, what's different? And like by the time we get to Gregory, I was like, what even are we doing right now? Because Julia Quinn is always trying to do something like different. (laughs) what but i mean in other conversations holly you've talked about gareth and hyacinth that book was great like there are other books in the series that might be better that's another eight book series you have a bracket for that one
0: what which bridgerton is best
1: yeah you know who's gonna lose benedict (laughs) really (laughs) it's a cinderella retelling and benedict is kind of a tool Uh... i don't know we could talk about it we could talk about it anyway Moving yeah, on. but, but like, Gregory is a... Yeah, Gregory is also. But that was the last book, and she was like, I don't know, what am I going to do for the eighth kid? I already used all my plots and tropes. <laughs> so I'm going yeah. to have him crash his girlfriend's wedding, but she actually still gets married, but it's okay. They're not actually married because they don't hand in the paperwork. You know, Aaron... I will never get over this book. I read it one time when it came out, and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I,
2: I'm not sure if there are
1: literary therapists, but if there are, I feel like you need one. <laughs> it's like Go go in the timeout. Secrets of Sir Richard Kenworthy also. Just like WTF, bite. Okay, but, you know, what about some Duke books you'd recommend? Anything well, that, like, makes you Holly happy? Is Holly done about Duke area? books?
0: I well, do. I mean, I I have a few more on my on my list. I mean, so one other one, so Devil's Bride by Stephanie Ooh, Lawrence. Yeah,
1: that's a that would be a very strong contender. Would
0: be a very strong contender, and we didn't include it because we already buddy read it. We read it for Back to Old School Devil's Week, which was something we did last year on the blog. And I must admit that I DNF'd that book because I just cannot deal with Stephanie Lawrence writing. But based on our conversation and the bits that I'd read, he is extremely dooky. And the whole point of the book is about him showing the heroine who he sees and is like, you're mine, like yoink. And (laughs) then convincing her that she actually is perfect Duchess material,
1: right? Mm -hmm. True. he also does not say I love you. He doesn't say I love you. What did I say? Did I say this in our conversation then? He doesn't say I love you until like the double digits book in that series. When one of his like cousins is having an issue and he's like, You know I love you, right? And she's like, Yes, dear, I know. <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: those sinsters. This um is, Yeah. Yeah. You know, but unlike Wolfric Bedwin and the duke in the Sinsters series is book one right yeah he's the one who who kicks kicks off all the drama rather than wraps it up yep and then he and his wife whose name i don't remember honoria honoria Honoria, (laughs) um, (laughs) appear in literally every single book in the series right yes
1: including the spin-off series with like Yeah, including the the spin-off series that are like
0: not about sinsters at all, but actually about evil Indian cults. Uh, We we won't talk (laughs) about those
1: books. (laughs) Side note: Holly wrote a paper on that. We'll link to it. (laughs) Or not the paper, Uh, but her post on the paper.
0: Yeah, I wrote, well, I wrote a paper that I presented at an academic conference (laughs) on that uh, because of that book. And when I presented it, this was like in 2011 before the international association of popular romantic studies was a thing before it had been started. And I presented it at a religion conference. And after I gave my presentation and, you know, did the panel and everything, somebody in the audience came up to me and said, that was a very brave paper. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like,
1: whatever this, this is care. how i roll
0: <laughs> this is how i roll well
1: who besides do you have anybody besides du- Double sinster would be a very very good
0: yeah devil sinster who else are you so other things on my list i have something fabulous by alexis hall which aaron and i also had we have previously so much crea- well you know we buddy read this one too yeah. and this is a newer book and it's a queer duke which we did not really have any representation of true so it's a male male romance and the main duke character is just like alexis hall takes the duke trope and puts it to the max and shows how these duke characteristics are toxic and cause problems for this character right Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it was interesting sorry i yeah i think it was on a on one of his twitter posts or something around the time that A Lady for a Duke came out, like something Mm -hmm. fabulous came out and then A Lady for a Duke came out and Mm -hmm. he said he was so worried about the privilege that, what is the fabulous Oh, Valentine. He was so worried about the privilege that Valentine had that he focused on making it very clear that he had this privilege and like it was a problem and people got mad and were like, why are you so mean to Valentine?
0: Yeah, I, well, yeah. The, and then they then he were... didn't
1: do that with the other duke, and like people didn't acknowledge the the power and privilege of the duke uh, and a lady tough, for a duke, like hardly hand. at all.
0: Yeah, but anyway, I feel like something fabulous could have been an interesting. I don't know how far it would have gone. Though Valentine is very dukey, but like Courtney Milan, Alexis Hall is interested in kind of interrogating what that means.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So there. And then my, I have a couple others on my list, but the final one that kind of, I wish we, I had added. And this one, I think I actually wish we had added is A Good Rogue is Hard to Find by Mm. Kelly Bowen. And a note about Kelly Bowen, it seems like she has a lot of Duke books, but 50% of her books with Duke in the title are not actually about Dukes. And I don't know why that (laughs) is. And this one, uh, Good rogue is hard to find is one of the three books in the Lords of Worth series, and it's about the Duke of Worth, and it's the only one without Duke in the title, and it's the only one that's actually about a duke. So, like, mm. I like, <laughs> like, I don't know what's Think going it. on. Oh, no. But this is a, you know, he's a duty Duke who wants to settle down, you know, and wants to like find a cause to like give him something to fight for, and like through his story, it's kind of like about an awakening of a duke, mm.
1: um, an awakening. An yes,
0: awakening, An awakening. Um, so it's not like he he's like, oh, here's how I can use my power and privilege for like actual good. And also, the dowager duchess, who is kind of the one character who's in all three books, is amazing. She is basically a, like a grandma social justice warrior, but who <laughs> pretends to be crazy. So, but like just crazy is she enough. She
1: has like purse chickens.
0: Yes, she has purse chickens and <laughs> pretends to be crazy so that nobody takes her seriously, and so she can do things like um, help uh, fix horse races and like help abused women as like fake their own deaths. So that's awesome. That's what's going on there. So yeah, I don't remember much about the Duke of Worth except he goes through an awakening period and has the awesomest
1: Duke mom ever. That's pretty cool. It's good to have a. A good Duke mom. Yeah. As opposed to a neglectful or abusive Duke mom. Yeah, they have a
0: strange relationship because he's like, my mom is being cray-cray and I need to go like rein her in. And she's like, no, how am I going to hide abused women and fix horse races if you're poking around in my house? Um, (laughs) So they also they also have to figure out their own relationship, but she's not abusive. She's like, cool.
2: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. very fun oh this! there are so many so many duke books so many and then of course we didn't even really touch on possibly the plethora of indie published books because they're oh, yeah. so popular for trad pub that mm-hmm. yeah there we are
0: so well, so adra richards was an indie pu- indie published book mm-hmm. but i think that's the only yeah i think so. indie book we read for yeah. this well and i and courtney milan also. That's true. Courtney
1: Milan does technically do indie publishing, yeah. Although it doesn't feel like it with the way, with how successful she is at marketing well, how herself, how successful she is in how her mm-hmm. books are presented. So yes. So I think maybe I did a, a disservice choosing a Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not. Well, Judith it was McNaught. one of the only older, like really older yeah, ones medieval. we had. And so it was that an was an interesting nice. conversation. For sure. But Judith McNaught also writes lots of Dukes and, you know, we talked a little bit about Whitney, my love. Yikes.
0: <laughs> but maybe we should read it like, together. I think
1: I'm ready. I think I'm ready to read and discuss Whitney, my love. I'm just like, oof, duh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it. But, uh, so, if we're looking at some old school vibes, this one I also am not sure how far it would have gone because it does seem like We are trying to strike a balance between that sort of, quote, like, asshole, Duke-ish behavior, but not going so far as to be full-blown, abusive, here's my scarf of red flags kind of hero. And, you know, Judith McNod's stuff is from the 80s. -hmm. She's writing old-school romances. But one that I found really memorable is Something Wonderful – and this one is a duke, like, goes off into the country. He marries a completely naive country girl, just kind of out of hand because he's a duke and he can do that. Mm-hmm. This after, is Judith uh, McNaught. Judith McNaught, after a very okay. br- brief courtship and, like, on their way back to his estate, he gets kidnapped and shanghaied. And <laughs> then he comes back and she's like, thinks that she's widowed and she's. Made friends with his, quote, friends. Um, and he's like, you have been sleeping around with the guy that I hate and blah, 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 blah. And it just, of course, devolves from there into all the like bananas, Judith <laughs> McNaught misunderstandings, high drama, everything. She does um, like a good she does oh, like yeah. a good drama so, player for the so, ridiculous. For very intense feelings <laughs> and 1980s vibes. The Duke of, of Hawthorne? His name is Jordan. Yeah, that was really something. Something wonderful. <laughs> 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 Another one that I mentioned a few times, I've mentioned Georgette Hare a bunch of times. I didn't add any Georgette Hare to the bracket for a couple of reasons. One, I don't typically mention Georgette Hare on the blog because she was writing in the mid-20th century, and there are some very overtly anti-Semitic in particular, and sometimes racist content in her books. They're old. So I don't like to review her stuff actively. But if all those caveats don't scare you away, (laughs) these old shades, I was like, Holly, (laughs) you have to read this book. This guy is the dukiest duke ever. And Holly was like, Whoa, this age gap is squicking me out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, to be clear, I read this probably when I was 23, maybe. Like you 15 years ago. You think it was that ago. long
1: ago? It was
2: a long time he, yes, ago. Yes,
0: it was a long time ago. Maybe even earlier. But yeah. I mean, he's probably very dookie, but there but he's 40 and the heroine is 17.
1: I oh boy. Like yeah, she's really he like finds yeah. her. He's yeah. An boy. Orphan, kind she, of.
0: She's like an orphan who becomes his ward oh, and no. like
1: yeah yeah the, Ingrid, you would not enjoy it i don't know yeah, i no. found it delightful
0: yeah so. the the squick factor was high for me i think reading it now i might be able to put that aside and appreciate other things about this book but where i was at that point in my life i was just like which is funny because i was reading all books about oh, like a, 18, 18 year olds marrying 35 year 30 old year men. Olds, yeah but, but in this one sexy, Holly. But in this one, they're playing with it, the, the, like their, the age gap is explicit and they're playing with it and it's part of their dynamic.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, right? he calls her his enfant. But yeah, so he, I mean, the thing about Avon is he is so powerful that he's playing a chess match with like the lives of other aristocrats kind of for fun. So when he finds Léoné, he's like, oh, you look like this other guy that I hate. I'm going to see what happens. And he, sh- at that point, Lene is pretending to be a boy. And so he makes her, her, his page. And then he brings her around with him. And the guy, he's like observing to see what this guy will do. And
0: that sounds an awful lot like Valentine Napier. Yeah. The Duke of Montgomery.
1: Yeah. yeah. And he just starts poking and, and it turns out that she's actually the legitimate daughter of this. I think he's an Earl, but... The guy didn't want a daughter, so he traded her with, like, the farmer's son, and, and she, like, ran away. And so then he takes her back to England and, like, trains her to be a girl. And then he gets jealous because she makes friends with his younger brother. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, she they get kidnapped, of course, because, of course, they get kidnapped. <laughs> Taken back to France. <laughs> and he's, like, oh, man, my brother eloped with this. Woman that I'm hot for, but I can't. I mean, I'm too old for her. I don't know. There's I feel just like so much. like woman so much drama. is a real stretch <laughs> there, but that's okay. This young lady. This anyway, child. There's so much. definitely has strong dupe vibes. Yeah. Georgian, so it's all about his, like. Oh, yeah, I do remember he has, like, powdered wigs. hair. Yeah. And, like and these
0: curly Q wigs. Beautiful. I love his, it.
1: His hands are so white that they show off his, like, gigantic emerald rings it's very leaning into the Georgian
0: <laughs> maybe I have to reread this
1: Bye. I'm gonna <laughs> hard pass on that one guys <laughs> so, uh, I'm surprised followed you've ever read Devil's it Cup, Ingrid. Which we haven't done a lot of we didn't do airs I think I, I, read,
2: I read I read a good number of those books but I think Aaron very sweetly I <laughs> yeah I think Aaron was like this is not the one for her and was like how about these other ones? So no, I didn't
1: read that
0: one. <laughs> Probably, like there are a few. Yeah, then. Maybe you need to read half of it, and then you'll be yeah. like, "Oh, this one." <laughs> yes, <exactly.
2: laughs> Ingrid's just shaking her head. No, like, I don't like, want to uh, read it. No, thank you. Yeah. I mean, there. I will say there are plenty of Georgia hair. Or like Erin said, if if you can suspend some of the some of it, it, I think it is valuable because it is one of the building blocks of modern romance. I would argue. However, yeah, they, it's definitely you can read subsequent books that have similar themes, perhaps not quite her tone because it's pretty unique. But you know, maybe without the anti-Semitism and the racism, but yeah, <laughs> but they they you know, there's a reason why. She was a heavy hitter, even way back then, and
1: even now today. So,
0: yeah. Any others you want to talk about, Erin?
1: Well, so a couple. I didn't, as I was adding my recommendations to the bracket. I chose older titles because I was focusing on books that had been that memorable to me that I might have read them a decade ago, and I they were still sticking with me. Or I guess in the case of Bucastle, I've read them like ten times. <laughs> 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 but there were a couple like uh Something Fabulous was one that that I also had flagged as just being at least an interesting conversation starter because of the focus on Valentine different Valentine being a Duke. Another one that was really popular, it's a Berkeley publication, so shocking. Was bringing Down the Duke by Evie Dunmore. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he and he's also the Duke of Montgomery <laughs> There's so much overlap here. Perhaps they're related. <laughs> How many titles are there? But that focuses on suffragettes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Asterisk, side note, fabulous fact. Suffragettes are British. American suffrage movement women are not called suffragettes, in fact.
0: Wait, what are they called? What? what they?
1: They're just called suffragists. True story. Okay.
0: Wait, by uh, whom are they called suffragists?
1: Themselves. Really? They were not called suffragettes. That's a British term. Or they term. did not
0: call themselves suffragettes.
1: They right. called them suffragettes. I because... think now, in the, I mean, if you're doing... So historiography is the study of history, right? Like... Oh, Erin. Specialists <laughs> incremental the would not morning. refer to them. Like, when I was studying radical history, because, of course, the suffrage movement is also a radical movement of its time, you know, we made that distinction in class as well. But I think popularly among people who are not historians, the terms are conflated. Yes. But this yes, is, that's no. true. It, an f- important f- discussion f- for this morning. Okay. So <laughs> okay. anyway, the heroine of Bringing Down the Duke is one of the first women students at Oxford. And in order to do this, she has a scholarship that requires her to be a suffragette, basically, to engage in various political activism in order to support the suffrage movement in Britain. And as a part of that, she meets the Duke of Montgomery, and he is just like so starchy and so stodgy and so needs to have his hair must. It was a very delightful read at the time. I'm not totally sure how it would match up with some of our other dukes, but I would I would have probably been perfectly happy to reread it for this. And see how it went hmm. so that's a more modern it's more modern in its outlook and substance it's a more modern publication but it still has some of those dukey elements that are not fully woke duke like she gets she goes to jail and he goes in there and he's like why do i have to bail you out of jail I am very displeased that you are in jail because that is not a place that I want you to be because it is not safe here. (laughs) It's just cute. All right. And then maybe, I don't know. There's this, I really enjoyed reading it at the, well, I really enjoyed reading the first and third books. The second book I was like, can we think about anything except for sex in this book, which some people would really like, but it's the Decadent Duke Society is the series. The first book in the series was really fun. Who's the author? Oh, the, so it's the Decadent Duke Society by Madeline Hunter. The first book in the series is The Most Dangerous Duke in London, and he is coming back. He's dark, he's brooding, and he wants revenge against Mm. the heroine's family. But the heroine is like, I have life goals, and I do not need your BS, and I am going to take what I want and be amazing. So she's, like, also the perfect duchess. Maybe we need to have a duchess bracket. She was, like, an awesome duchess <laughs> when they finally get married. But that one had, like, a very, like, dark antagonist not, not like, full dark romance, but, like, revenge, uh, antagonistic vibes, kept the tension going, mm-hmm. but with two very strong leads. So that was kind of a fun read. That's right. also more, more recent. Okay. So I don't know, like, what do... <sighs> I was kind of hoping that if we talked about the ones that didn't end up on our bracket, that we would come to some brilliant insights about these two finalists. I don't think we did. And I don't think no. that's what happened at all.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, now the water- waters are so muddied. So I think we're just going to have to say one, two, three, vote. <gasps> oh,
1: that's
0: kay. exciting, Holly. Are you ready?
1: No, but let's okay, do Okay, it. it's Bucassel versus Thudier.
0: Yeah, one, two,
1: three, vote. <laughs> oh god just say what's in your heart Aaron. well then i feel like it's not rational but okay fine it's uh, we've rational
2: just... it's been weeks Aaron. we've done it <laughs> if you don't know by now whew. i have inherent biases all right okay Ready?
0: are we gonna do it at the same time let's do yes. it yes okay one
1: one two, two three, three. Bukestle. Bukestle. <laughs> did we all say buchastle yes. yes we did oh, <laughs> well, now I feel more confident about what was in my gut.
2: <laughs> Listen, I think what it boiled down to was that Beaucastle was the, he was the Duke archetype, Duke trope. It was a solid Duke book through and through. The plot revolved around his Dukiness. He was a Duke. VA is absolutely a Duke book. One of the top, but there, it was also revolving around several other things and
1: so i think that was it for me
2: plus i would probably just recommend it first
1: well there you have it folks we have definitively determined with absolutely no caveats or asterisks whatsoever the very best duke in all of romance books of all time
2: and if you don't think we're right then (laughs) probably you should let us know which (laughs) ones we missed (laughs)
1: Actually, that would not. I mean, that would not be the worst thing. Our TBRS are very, very bloated, but at the same time, they can always use more books. I <laughs> mean, what is a TBR
2: if it is not out of hand and unyieldy?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure with the
0: books I already own in paper and on my Kindle, I could literally have. I have literally have enough to read for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> Probably more than One the of my rest friends- of my life. <laughs> One of my friends has like, we were starting my, my second book club and one of my friends was like, Oh no, I've got five books on my nightstand to read. I can't possibly. And I was like, You have five books to read.
2: Come on, you can knock that out in a week, friend. I have a thousand.
1: I don't let that hold me back. A thousand just of the romance titles. That's not even talking about the other books that I have. I know.
0: It's a problem. So it's a problem. It's a beautiful anyway, problem. Anyway, I hope all of our other Duke recommendations also made your TBRs good out of control. And I don't know. What are we doing next on the podcast? I, we might...
1: Well, in October, we were going to try and talk about abortion, right?
0: Yeah. So I think we want to talk about abortion. We might try to do a spinoff episode where we talk about duchesses and all these Duke books, like the oh. heroines and what makes a good Duke heroine. So we'll see if we like still have the stem to do that after like all, all of these calls. But we'll... We might try to do that. And if not, then our next is going to be about abortion and pro-choice romance, which I think will be a fun change getting out of Duke land. If you mm-hmm. know of any Duke books with abortion in them, <laughs> let us know. I don't think we have any, but always looking for some some good crossovers here with our interest. As always, show notes at smutreport.com slash podcast. Anything you guys want to add to wrap up our epic Duke
1: off? I would like Beyond, to thank you. We're both. like so tired. <laughs> yeah, I would like to thank you both for this buddy reading journey. It oh, you, you is are the welcome. Fun and also was not stressful at all. <laughs> 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 but in all seriousness, it's always fun to do the buddy reads and talk about books. That's one of the reasons we started the blog. So yeah, here's to another great September buddy read off.
2: And we're going to close this out by saying maybe we wait a while before we do another one of these. And then one of us is going to be like, you know what we haven't discussed? All the best (laughs) books with weird alien wieners. And then, you know, know, we've got another. (laughs) But did we did we really like rank them by the best weirdest ones? No, we only had maybe we need a bracket
1: aliens.
0: Oh, my God. We can do all the knots.
2: Oh, nuts. I wish I was no. an Oscar Mayer no. no. alien we're wiener not we... doing...
0: <laughs> No, <laughs> not <laughs> nodding. No nodding. Oh, but, but I would just like nominate that like weird snake book I read because that had nodding even though it was not Omegaverse. Okay, yeah, let's is, stop.
1: There's not... And okay. we're done. No. And we're all finished <laughs> today. We're all done. <laughs> yeah. Alien wieners right Did here I on the I opened
0: Pandora's <laughs> box and I
2: regret it? Oh, man. Okay. There's well, there. on that note. Keep it smutty, folks. Na, 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 that's nah. my report!